0: And shout your praises loud I was lost in darkness When you pulled me out I will sing forever Of your love come down the way.
1: I was raised in a Middle Eastern country. I was raised in a loving family and a Christian home. The first year of my life, we were in a bomb shelter with 300 other people, two candles, and three bathrooms with no water. One year later, we moved to a small village. In this village, I remember being surrounded by orphans from the war. All of a sudden, in 1995, we received the most wonderful shoe boxes that brought hope in the worst times of the war. This shoe box that I received had the most wonderful gift in it a picture and a letter from a girl in Enon, Ohio. What the shoebox told me was that there was a girl who didn't even know me and cared about me. Years later, I understood that's grace, undeserved love, that God loves us even when we don't deserve it. My very wish, my hope right now is for all Middle Eastern children who are surviving through the worst times of the war, get these shoeboxes. My wish for them is they receive the same joy, the same gift that I received years ago in my small village. Thank you. Shonara Ghalem.
2: I was caught up in the video, forgot I needed to tell you a few things. (laughs) Okay, so Operation Christmas Child is going on. We have some boxes still out in the foyer that we really want you to take. Um, We had 700 boxes, and I think we have about maybe 50 left. If you've already taken one box, consider taking a second box. These are children that don't have the things that we have at all, and they're so excited that this could be, honestly, the only Christmas present that they get this year. And what we want you to do is, if you donate the $7 toward the box, you can actually find out where you're going to, um, where that box is gonna be sent. So you can find out if it goes to Africa, or Argentina, or Brazil, any place, other than America and um, anyway so we really want those boxes to to fly out of here today and um, we want you to bring them back next Sunday is the last Sunday to bring those boxes back so that we can make sure that the children get them in time for Christmas could you please take the friendship folders they're right there in front of you they're the black folders if you would sign those for us please as I continue sharing some announcements with you. If you are a first time visitor here, welcome, we're glad to have you. If you wanna stop at the Welcome Center in the foyer, we have a gift of chocolate for you. And also, um, if there's any information that you'd like to know about the church, that's a great place to start. So welcome and we're glad you're here today and sign those folders. As you guys know that we have a lot of stuff going on here at the church throughout the week, especially on Wednesday nights, Wednesday, we have um, ministries and classes and small groups for every age group going on, from the little ones in the nursery all the way up through our clubhouse kids, through our connect ministries for our teenagers and even adult ministries. There's small groups going on, and it is just a fabulous time of just coming and kind of um, learning about God but also hanging out with people that love Jesus and just want to really, really grow. So we want you to take advantage of that. Again, if you have any questions, please see the Welcome Center. Okay, so next... Month is December, so we know that Christmas is coming, and we do have our Christmas musical this year. It's called Humbug, and it's an awesome musical to um, just kind of, obviously, it's self-explanatory, but we don't stay at the humbug scene. Obviously, that we get to see a little shoeshine boy share the real meaning of Christmas with him. It's a great type of Broadway musical. We want you to come, and then we want you to go over to the gym because it's a dessert theater this year. So once you see the musical, you head over to the gym. We want you to get tickets, and we want them to fly out of here. We wanna fill this place with um, people that need Jesus. The tickets are on sale today. They're in the foyer. They're $5 each. So we wanna encourage you to take maybe four of them, 20 bucks, and give them to four friends or eight friends, whatever God lays on your heart, that really need Jesus, that come and wanna see him on this stage um, in a really fun musical, but really gets down to the true meaning of Christmas. So they are on sale out in the foyer today. Also, I announced last week that we are decorating our gym with uh, gingerbread houses, and we had 30 of them. I think we have seven of those left. If you did not get a gingerbread house and you are crafty, we want you to grab a gingerbread house, take it home with your family, decorate it like crazy. Um, We are gonna have a little contest to see which house ends up turning out the best, but it's a time for your friends and family to either sit around and make this gingerbread house and um, help us to decorate the gym in the meantime and just have a good time. You wanna bring those back by December 6th so that we can um, get them in the gym. Don't try to eat them. They're over a year old, so I'm thinking that probably wouldn't be good. Just decorate them and bring them back. And also um, if you have any questions about anything going on here at at the church, please stop at the Welcome Center. We'd love to talk with you.
3: I used to think of soldiers as people who were just doing their duty. Good guys, yeah, but no names, no faces, no histories. They all blended together, all that camo and marching in line. Sir, yes, sir, you can't handle the truth. Combat in a jungle kind of stuff. Makes for good movie scenes, dramatic moments of sacrifice. Then my best friend's kid signed up. And I stood by watching the start of sacrifice. Early morning runs. Endless drills. the pursuit of collective perfection. He was joining the ranks of countless brave men and women who gave up their freedom to protect mine. They lost time, and friends, and limbs, and innocence. Their sacrifice started with a pledge, a code, an oath. It started with a heart to serve, a commitment to give, a promise to put others first. To those men and women, the sons and daughters, the brothers, sisters, husbands and wives, serve, give, sacrifice, protect, we thank you, thank you for starting.
4: This is the uh, Sunday that we recognize our veterans and uh, we think of them. And Joanne and I were at Panera's over here in Bethel Park the other day, and uh, there was a military guy there, and he had his fatigues on. And I saw an older guy just walk right up to him and look him in the eye and shake his hand, and he said, thank you for your service. And I thought, uh, boy, that's terrific. That's terrific. Uh, We want to thank you, our military people present in the service today, for your service. We did in the first service, and so I'm going to call out a few branches of our our military, and if you fit into one of these categories, I'd like to ask you to stand and remain standing. Coast Guard and Army, who are, if if you're in the Coast Guard or Army, would you stand? Okay, very good. Remain standing. Thank you. Uh, How about? uh, how about the Navy? Do we have any Navy guys here this morning? We had some in the first service. Okay. The Marines, how about them? There's a Marine. Whoa. And uh, how about how about the Air Force? Do we have any of those people here? I know Well, we uh, we love our military people. Uh, we can't say enough good about them. They make it possible for the freedom that we have in America. They are the absolute ultimate people. We appreciate your service. Let's pray together and ask the Lord to bless your family. Dear Lord, we thank you so much for the great military we have in our country that, that would love us, uh, the civilians, so much that they would put their life right out there on the line Lord, we just pray that you'll watch over them, care for them. And Lord, on this day, that across our country, we recognize our veterans. Uh, I just pray that you'll bless them in a special way. In Jesus' name we pray. And the Lord's people said, Amen. Lord, we, we thank you so much. Uh, Thanksgiving Eve, we always have a, a terrific uh, service of Thanksgiving. I want to encourage you this Thanksgiving Eve to come out in a special way. Uh, we 're going to be affirming Pastor Ken uh, Ken Barner as uh, the new lead pastor of our church we 're going to have something a little special thanksgiving Thanksgiving Eve for him and so we want you to come out and be a part of that uh, We have so much for which to be thankful here uh, in our church and and so put that circle circle calendar uh, inside your courier uh, we have our our new birthday List our birthday gift to Jesus list, and I just went through this uh, this morning, and I checked the people that actually were affiliated in some way with our church. And you can go down through the list and just look at them. Uh, I I came across Sarah Henderson, actually Sarah Dedrick. The Dedricks spent a number of the years their years growing up years in our church, and she's ministering on the University of South Carolina campus. Boy, uh, uh, everybody that that goes to a secular college, knows the tremendous need on secular campuses for Christ. Uh, she, she grew up right here. John Fowler, he's in Panama with his family, and he was baptized in this church right here in this room in which you sit this morning. Sam and Rhonda Wilson down here, uh, they minister to Russian-speaking Jews Uh, Sam was a kid that came to our church on the bus ministry. Many years ago, we used to have buses that went out all over the place and brought kids to church and families. They came from Mount Lebanon on a bus. And God started tugging on little Sam's heart to be a missionary. He surrendered to be a missionary, and he went to Moscow, Russia. He learned the Russian language, and he started a church in Moscow, Russia, Well, the Russians uh, allowed him to stay there for a number of years, but eventually figured out a way to get rid of him and uh, wouldn't renew his visa. And so he and his wife would not be deterred, and so they went to Israel to minister to the Russian-Israeli immigrants coming into Israel from Russia. Well, the Israelis did the same thing the Russians did. After a period of time, they wouldn't renew his visa. He's still in America. He's in America now, but he's still ministering to Jews. Uh, He's a kid that spent some time right here in this auditorium in which you sit. Karen Worth, she's a Pittsburgh girl, and she's been a missionary to Indonesia for many years. Jonathan Perry to Australia. Jonathan is a Pittsburgh boy. And then there's the Good Shepherd Fold Orphanage in the Philippines. And we have a good connection with them because Linda Finney, uh, Al Pastor Al Finney's wife, Linda, grew up in this orphanage, and I think it's just so awesome that we can we can like now really be a big help to that orphanage. We built a building over there, and we did some other things that made their life a lot easier. And so these are people that have some pretty strong connections to our church. Uh, I want to ask you to pray about your part. Give more to Jesus this Christmas than. Uh, than anyone else on your Christmas list, give by faith. And we're going to actually begin the offering today, but it'll, go over, it'll roll over into January, the mid-January. So, so you pray about your part. Look over this list and say, hey, listen, let's, uh, as a family, let's take care of one of these projects. Let's make this our Christmas. Uh, instead of just buying stuff for everybody, let's put the money where it really counts for, for, for eternity. In the lives of these missionaries. And I know God will bless you. Let's stand together this morning as our ushers come now, and we'll receive our morning offering together. We appreciate your participation in giving each week. We know that some people give online, some people send their offering into the church through the mail, and uh, others give here in the auditorium. So, wh- however, you choose to give, uh, we thank you. And now we come to the time of the service that we thank the Lord because he's made it all possible for us to do this. Let's thank him. Dear Lord, we thank you so much for your love today and how you provided for us. You've given us strength this week to go to work, uh, to make a living for our family, to put bread on the table at home. Lord, we don't take this for granted. We give you all the credit for this. And so, Lord, now we come to put bread on the table of your church. Uh, to be able to send our support checks to our missionaries, uh, to be able to pay the bills uh, that mount up here on the hill through our utilities and all of these practical things. We, We thank you, Lord, that we can do this, and we pray now that you'll bless each gift and each giver. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated.
0: Jesus, you're my hope. opened. Prayer is the way we talk to God. Prayer is openness. Prayer is freedom. Prayer is for the brokenhearted. Prayer is for the sick. Prayer is for the hungry. Prayer is for the children. Prayer is for the old. Prayer is for the joyful. Prayer is free. Prayer is God's gift to us. Accept it, use it, and believe it. Prayer works.
5: been talking on the Lord's Prayer from Matthew chapter 6. If you have your Bibles, let's head on over there to Matthew chapter 6 as we continue to uh, talk about how that Jesus taught his disciples how to pray. And uh, we, we said when we started this series that Jesus, uh, Jesus' disciples came to him and said, hey, there's something different about how you pray. So, Jesus, we feel like we're missing something. Will you teach us how to pray? There was something intensely personal, something intensely intimate about how Jesus prayed. And they said, Jesus, will you teach us how to pray? And this is what Jesus taught them. He gave them this prayer. So, would you read with me the Lord's Prayer this morning as we read aloud? Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. As we start out uh, two weeks ago, we looked at uh, at the beginning there and he says our father in heaven hallowed be your name this is really crucial to understanding the rest of the prayer it's really crucial to praying according to how jesus taught because up until this point people weren't didn't call on god as father They're, they didn't understand this relationship our father it was a child to a father relationship and um and that is really crucial to the to even where we're going to get today our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. It's a personal relationship. You're not praying to a being, you're praying to a person, to our Father. Then last week we looked at <clears throat> thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And we said, because he is the God of the universe, because I am able to have this relationship, therefore I can submit my will to him. And today we're going to look at Matthew six eleven. Give us this day our daily bread. Now, when you think about bread, you know, you, you look at that and, and, you know, of course, everybody knows what bread is. You, you see it in every culture. Uh, you pick some flour and some water and a few other ingredients and you, you have some bread. It's pretty simple. We find it in every country in the world. Uh, when we were in Trinidad, I remember they made a form of bread. It was called roti. And we would eat that roti, and the kids loved roti. We, we went there so many times, we learned how to make our own roti. We really enjoyed that. It, but it's a staple. It's a, it's a universal staple. I remember as a kid, my mom would send me out with a, a dollar or two to go get some bread. You know, today, I don't think you can even get a loaf of bread for a dollar, could you? But, uh, you know, they sent, she sent us out for, to get bread, and you had basically like two choices. There was Town Talk bread, and then there was Wonder Bread. You remember that Wonder Bread? You could take it and make, make dough balls out of that stuff, you know? I think you could actually pass it, bounce it to your neighbor at, at lunchtime. Uh, and and that, that was all we knew of bread. Now you have all kind of varieties. My wife sends me to get bread from the grocery store and it's a major event. There's a whole aisle dedicated to bread. There's, there's white bread, then there's whole wheat bread. And then there's whole grain bread. Then there's seven grain bread. And then there's the, uh, the baguette, you know. If I want to be really fancy about my bread, I get to have a baguette, you know. When I go to Panera Bread, they, you know, they ask me, do I want a baguette? I say, excuse me, you know. It's a, it's a, it's a, so bread is part of our life. We see it everywhere that we go. And, uh, but Jesus was not just talking here about asking God for a piece of bread. The Scriptures tell us a little bit about bread. He says here, to give us this day our daily bread, And when we see bread in the scriptures, we can also understand that bread here is talking about the basic necessities of life. Uh, Every human, every person has a basic necessity of life. We need water to live, you need air to live, you need sunshine, you need food, and uh, these are the basic necessities of life. Your physical body cannot go without these basic necessities. So God doesn't create anything without providing for it. I want you to think about that. All of God's creation, He has provided for His creation. At Psalm 104, 25 through 28 says this, Here is the ocean vast and wide, teeming with life of every kind, both large and small. See the ships sail along, and Leviathan, which you made to play in the sea. They all depend on you to give them food as they need it. When you supply it, they gather it. You open your hand to feed them, and they are richly satisfied. God supplies, and they gather, even to the little fish of the sea, the big fish, the small fish, the minnows to the whales. God supplies for all of them. And notice it says here that as he supplies, they gather. That's a principle that we're going to see throughout Scripture. As God supplies, we gather. We're not the provider. God is the provider. Sometimes we think by going out to work that we're the provider. Well, we, we do. We're, we're the gatherer. But God is the provider. My job is, my boss is not the provider. Your job is not the provider. God is the provider. We are the gatherers. Uh, the next thing the bread also represents for us is our salvation. Uh, we understand when Jesus prayed uh, uh, in, in Luke twenty two nineteen, he said this. He took some bread and he gave thanks to God. This was during the Passover meal he took the bread and he gave thanks to god for it then he broke it into pieces and he gave it to his disciples saying this is my body which is given for you do this in remembrance of me he was saying look here's an object lesson here this bread i'm breaking this bread apart this represents my body and and he hadn't made he hasn't he hasn't made the sacrifice on the cross yet so this was of what was to come and he's he's telling his disciples do this in remembrance of me. Remember me by this. He gave a cup of juice and he gave the bread. And today we celebrate communion. We're going to have communion on, on November the 25th here at our Thanksgiving Eve service. And that's when we're going to come together and we break bread together. And we, we, we're going to worship the Lord. And remember that our basic need of salvation was met on the cross. Uh, we, without the cross, without the bread of life, See, Jesus said, I am the bread of life. Without Him being the bread of life and Him being crucified on the cross, I would not have eternal life. You would not have eternal life. And that's why Jesus came, so that He could pay the price for your sin. And so we have that object lesson that every time we come together, we remember bread, we remember our salvation by the broken body of Jesus Christ for us. Bread also represents God's Word. God's Word is the basic necessity of your Christian life. Uh, If you don't have God's Word in your Christian life, you don't have a Christian life. You won't be able to grow. You won't be able to develop. Uh, This is vital to who you are in Christ because God reveals Himself. It's not a ritual that we're asking you to do. We're asking you to come and meet with God. And as you read God's Word, He speaks to you because this is how God has revealed Himself to us. Matthew 4.4, Jesus says this, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. We're to read it, we're to meditate on it, we're to, to chew on it all, all week long. And I would encourage you, take a verse, take a verse of the day, a verse of the week, and just dwell on it, meditate on it all throughout the week. That's what I've been doing as we're studying the Lord's Prayer. Each week I've taken one of these, one of these verses and I've just kind of dwelled on it. And and, uh, and and bread is also mentioned also for fellowship. As we look in the scriptures, we see fellowship. Come and break bread with one another. Uh, the idea is come and have bread together. Come and be together. So bread, we see it we see it actually all over the Bible, and it's uh, it's one of those things you you don't think you're you don't that never realized how much it's there, but it's all over the Bible. So when we come to God, He says that we're to pray in this manner. Pray to the Father, come before him, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. It's an intensely personal relationship. He's God, though. He's the great big God. I'm submitting to your will. And now he says that I can pray, give us this day our daily bread. After I've come through this process of realizing my intense personal relationship with God, realizing that He is bigger than anything, that He has all the power, and that His will is more important than my will, now I finally get to this part that most people think of prayer. Uh, if you talk to people about prayer, this is where they most likely go to. They think of the give uh, Give me this and give me that. And here the Scriptures tell us we get to pray, give us this day our daily bread, we have to understand this relationship is a father-and-child relationship. Uh, when a father and a child have a relationship, the child is able to come confidently before the father and make his request known. Hebrews 4:16 says, "Let us then, with confidence. let us then with confidence, draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace." help in the time of need we have a we're allowed to come before the lord in confidence you see my children uh because they're my children and i'm their dad they have confidence they can come in and they can talk to me in confidence they don't have to run away they don't have to be afraid they don't have they don't fear to ask me for things and uh you know there there was a time when in our life when the kids were little that uh, they thought that i was their hero you know they thought Dad could do anything. And then they turned about 12 years old and they realized that Dad's just Dad. And, uh, and, and you know, Dad can do a lot of things, but he can't do everything. But uh, I think they still think there's a money tree that grows out backside, you know. They like to just take the money and they say, Well, would you write a check now, Dad? I need this and I need that. But, you know, the father relationship to the child. When the father has a relationship with the child, the father can come in and communicate and ask. Psalm 84 says that God will withhold no good thing from his children. He'll withhold no good thing from his children from 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 uh, from those that are walking in his ways. Those are his children. And so God God gives us that and and we have to balance that because it's so easy for us to to think that God will give me everything that I want. Everything that is good out there. Well, you know, that is not true. The Bible doesn't say that you get whatever you want. He says, come and ask Him for, give us this day our daily bread. And God is our supplier. God will supply for us. And, uh, and he, will, he will take care of us emotionally, spiritually, socially, physically. He takes care of us. And that's, that's where we come. We come and we, we're submitting to the Father. It's really a prayer of dependence. How much more will your heavenly Father not care for us? If I care for my children, you care for your children, we understand this human relationship. How much more, how much more will the Father in heaven care for you? Matthew chapter 6. There's no parent on earth who wants joy for his child the way that God wants to care for you. I love my kid. I do everything for my kid. But you know what? there's not i don't have the capacity to do what the heavenly father can do the heavenly father you're his child he wants to take care of you and this is where we get to come in confidence and say our father in heaven hallowed be your name your kingdom come your will be done on earth as it is in heaven give us this day our daily bread give us this day our daily bread um it's with confidence that you come in before the Father. Look what the nation of Israel did here. Um, The first thought in your notes this morning is, where God guides, He provides. Where God guides, He provides. So when we come before the Father, and the Father uh, has a plan for your life, and we've talked about that quite extensively, that God has a plan for your life. So therefore, where He guides you, He is going to provide for you. And there's no there's there's no no question about it that God is there to provide for us. The nation of Israel, they were uh, they spent 400 years as slaves in Egypt. 400 years as slaves in 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 the nation of Egypt. They were low on the totem pole. Uh, Nobody really enjoyed being a slave. They had some basic needs met. They had food. They had water. But they were slaves. And then it, was a, it was more than oppression. They were slaves. It was ugly. It was a bad situation. And then God uses Moses. Moses comes along and uh, God set, sends Moses before Pharaoh and they have the exchange and, and all the plagues. And, and finally, at the end of all the plagues, God uh, softens, uh, uh, leads Moses to, to lead the people out and Pharaoh lets his people go. Let my people go and they start to leave. And after they, they, they head on down, they, they make it to the Red Sea. And all of a sudden, the Egyptians say, we're, we want them back. We, we're missing our slaves. We need our slaves. And we're not going to let them win. So, so they head off. God parts the Red Sea. The children of Israel go across. And after they cross, the Red Sea closes back up. And they are now protected from the Egyptians. Now they're living out in the desert and as they're living out in the desert, this, this is getting to be a, a, a tough situation because there's no food. There's no food for, you could walk for weeks before you could find food. And now they're out in the desert. And look at Exodus chapter 16. We're going to jump over there real quick. Exodus chapter 16, it's the second book of the Bible, Genesis and then Exodus. Exodus 16 and verse 3 says this the israelites said to them if only we had died by the lord's hand in egypt there we sat around pots of meat and ate all the food we wanted but you have brought us out into this desert to starve this entire assembly to death they're coming before before moses and before aaron and they're complaining and they're saying how is it you know at least we were when we were slaves at least back there we had food at least back there, it was, it was, you know, I had water, it was okay. You've brought us into a desert. This is deplorable. We're going to die. We should have died back there as slaves. Uh, 16, 4, verse 4. Then the Lord said to Moses, I will rain down bread. There's that word, bread. I will rain down bread from heaven for you. The people are to go out each day and gather enough for that day. In this way, I will test them and see whether they will follow my instructions on the sixth day they are to prepare what they bring in and that is to be twice as much as they gathered on other days so moses and aaron said to all the israelites in the evening you will know that it was the lord who brought you out of egypt in the evening you will know that it is the lord who brought you out of egypt you see where god provide, where god guides he provides a father takes his family on vacation. He's going to care for them. He's not going to take them and say, okay, we've got close to the beach now. <laughs> you know, if I take my family and we go and we get close to the beach, we're within a few miles, I don't stay in the hotel and say, well, that's about as far as we can go. Uh, kids, no ice cream this week. We were on vacation. We're in this hotel. We're near the beach. We're not going down there. You see, I'm going to provide, I'm going to take them all the way out. How about whenever a, a, a child comes before their father and, and is questioning the father can provide? Uh, no, that's a child typically doesn't do that. The child comes assuming that the father will provide. Here we see the children of Israel. They're in the desert and they're complaining. And where God guides, he provides. And so the, the children of Israel, God tells the children of Israel, in the evening, in the evening, today, this very day, you will know, That is the Lord who has brought you out of Egypt. Verse 12 I have heard the grumbling of all the Israelites. Tell them at twilight you will eat meat, and in the morning you will be filled with bread. Then you will know that I am the Lord your God. That evening, quail came and covered the camp. And in the morning, there was a layer of dew around the camp. When the dew was gone, thin flakes like frost on the ground appeared on the desert floor. When the Israelites saw it, they said to each other, what is it? They said, it is manna, or what is it? That's what manna means. The word manna means what is it? It is manna, what is it? Uh, For they did not know what it was. And Moses said to them, it is the bread that the Lord has given you to eat. And so we see God does a, God does a pretty big miracle here. He takes and, and he says, uh, you're, you're grumbling, you're complaining. I'm going to show you. I'm going to give you some meat and he brings in a flock now if you go over to numbers 11 you get a little bit more detail about the quail and about the meat numbers 11 gives us discussion between god and moses and basically what has happened is moses comes before god and, and moses says to god he says god these people are complaining i wish you would have just let me die it would be easier for let me die than to let let me deal with the complaints of your people and he's going over he's giving his woes of leadership to God and as he's going through this he's talking to him and he says he says there are 600,000 angry people out here hungry I guess you could call it the modern word is hangry right Uh, hungry angry people out there that have nothing to eat and Lord, you say there's going to be meat tonight, but if I slaughter and I butcher all the, all the flocks, is that enough food? If I take all the fish in the sea, is that enough food? And then in Numbers 11:23, God responds to Moses very interestingly. God answers Moses, so do you think I cannot take care of you? You'll see soon enough whether what I say happens to you or not. Uh, Another rendering says, do you think my arms are too short? Do you think I don't have enough power in my arm? Do you think that I cannot take care of you? And that's what this is all about. Give us this day our daily bread. Do we come in and do we ask our God, do we rely on Him thinking that He can take care of us? Uh, You know, we think about your daily needs. Think, Think about the food, clothing, and shelter. Yes. Now let's think about your spiritual needs. He did enough on the cross alone. But God meets our spiritual needs. He gives you strength for the day. He allows you to go... He gives you, gives you the energy and a purpose and a plan and a mission. That's, what, that's part of His plan for your life. He provides for you spiritually. We're to depend on Him spiritually, physically, spiritually. How about relationally? How about emotionally, socially? How about in relationships? Can I trust God for relationships? Can I trust God to help me to love my wife and my children? Can I trust God, uh, for those of you that are high school or, or young adult, can I trust God for that relationship? Can I trust God that he'll be the provider? I don't have to go out and have to manufacture something. Uh, wh- where are you at with this? Do you understand? God says, you can ask me anything. Come before me. Give us this day our daily bread. Rely on me. And, and, and uh, for me, that's a great question to ask Is God's power limited? Is God's power really limited? No, it's not. Therefore, I can come before him and I can take every situation that I'm in and say, Lord, give us this day. Give me this day our daily bread. Now, he provided so much quail. Um, You go back and you read Numbers 11. I would encourage you, go home and read that in a readable translation. um, And you will just, you'll you'll be amazed at how God and Moses had this exchange. And, uh, and then he, he says, I'm going to give you so much quail, it's going to come out your ears. You can, you're, going to, you're going to be tired of quail. And, uh, and, and that's what God did. He gave him this quail and he gave him manna. He provided that manna daily. The manna was there every day. This flake-like substance. They didn't know what it was. And so just think about this. They had so much manna. And uh, imagine, you know, you're asking mom, what's for breakfast? Manna omelets? You know, what are we having for lunch? Manna stew? What are we going to have for dinner? Manna cotti? I don't know. You know, but uh, probably not, all right? But manna, okay? How many different ways can you fix manna? And so that's what they did. There was manna everywhere. But God was the provider. They were to go out and gather. It's, it's a real interesting principle here, um, that God was the provider, and they were to go out and they were to gather. They were to gather what God has provided. And so... It is in this context that that in Deuteronomy, Jesus quoted in Matthew 4, he quoted the book of Deuteronomy that was in this context that says, God provided for you bread, but man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. So we've got to look. Our daily bread is not just about our physical. It's about your spiritual life, your emotional life, your social life, everything about you. God, give us this day our daily bread the second thought this morning is that you can depend on god for everything you can depend on god for everything romans eight thirty two. since he did not spare his own son but god uh, since he did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all won't he also give us everything else isn't god also going to be able to meet all your needs if he didn't spare his own son for your salvation to die on the cross for you won't he take care of you This is every day I walk with Christ. I get to walk with Christ. Emotionally, physically, spiritually, God is our provider. Uh, The third thought in your note, to depend on God means to trust God for today. Last week we talked about surrendering. That means I can trust God for tomorrow. Well, in Matthew chapter 6, after the Lord's Prayer, he goes on and he says not to worry about tomorrow. For today has enough concerns. And so we are to trust God today. Give us this day our daily bread. The word "give" there—it's kind of like the Nike slogan, "Just do it." It has that that mentality. Just do it, God. Just do it, God. Just give us this day our daily bread. And, and notice He's not saying to give us a monthly bread, a weekly bread, biweekly. He's saying this day, Lord, meet my needs today. Back to Exodus chapter sixteen. This is what the Lord has commanded. Each one of you is to gather as much as he needs. Take an omer. It was a a measuring, a way of measuring. Take an omer for each person you have in your tent. The Israelites did as they were told. Some gathered much, some gathered little. In other words, I had five people in my tent. I gathered enough for five, five omers. I, I only have one in my tent. I gathered one omer. Verse 18. And when they measured it by the omer, he who gathered much did not have too much. And he who gathered little did not have too little. Each one gathered as much as he needed. Give us this day our daily bread. I want you to think about that quail. When, when God brought in all that quail, we're talking, there's a million quail coming in. I mean, uh, see a flock of quail coming? They're small birds, but you see a flock of a million quail coming in and just dropping out of the sky, and God delivers dinner right to their doorstep? I mean, it's just incredible what God has done there. And then this manna that comes every day. And you know what? Today has enough to deal with. And that's why Jesus told us further on down from the Lord's Prayer, he says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. If we just seek him, seek him today, make him the top priority, he takes care of all those other things that you tend to, tend to get nervous and sweat about. Uh, Number four on your notes there. When I depend on God, I have no need for worry or fear. I have no need for worry or fear in my life when I'm depending on God. The Apostle Paul told us in Philippians, Philippians chapter 4 verse 6 says, Do not worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank Him for what He has done. Wow. Wow. There's a a little formula here God's giving us for peace, because verse 7 says, then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. The first thought, he says, is do not worry. It's not an option. You know, it doesn't say here, for those of you that have a certain personality type, you will find that worrying comes less. (laughs) He says, universally, do not worry. We understand, do not murder. Do not worry. It's a command. And so therefore, what do I tend to do? I tend to go and I pick this up and and I, I begin to act like an orphan, somebody who doesn't have a father. And I have a father in heaven and I am not to worry. But instead of worry, what does he say to replace it with? Instead, pray about everything. So I'm not to worry, but I am to pray. And it's another command. Pray about everything. Instead of worrying, pray about everything. I get to come before my daddy, before my father in heaven and say, Dad, I love you. I give you, I give you my needs. Here's my needs. I need this, Father. And then, then he continues on in verse, verse uh, 7. He says, uh, in, in verse 6, though, he says, And thank him for all he's done. There's the next step. Thank him. Stop and dwell on who he is and thank him. How often do we stop and say thank you? God, thank you that you gave me breath today. God, thank you you gave me life. God, thank you for the path that you have allowed me to live. God, thank you, thank you, thank you, because you are God. We could just spend the whole day. We're going to spend the whole night on Thanksgiving Eve thanking God. And and that won't even come close to it because God, we have so much to be thankful for. We could spend weeks just talking about his character, about who he is. That's enough to be thankful for alone, yet alone how he provides for us and how he takes care of us. Thank him for, for what He's done, for who he is. And then as we continue on, verse 8, uh, he says, and now dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about these things that are excellent and worthy of praise. He says, after you stop worrying, you start to pray and you thank God, then you will experience peace and this peace will guard your heart. And then he goes on a step further, he says, fix your thoughts. The idea there is to, to make them stable on Christ. Make your thoughts stay born in Christ. But for me, I'm looking at that and I'm saying, you know what, quite often my thoughts are not correct. I have to fix them. I have to fix them. I have to put them on to Christ. And I have to stop worrying about what's going to happen to my kids and worrying about what's going to happen to my house and what's going to worry over here and what's going to happen tomorrow. And I start putting all those worries in and I have all these fears and fix my thoughts on Jesus. And remember all the honest, lovely, true, There are so many negative things that we have to deal with. Yes, there are negative things. But God here has given us a clear, clear admonition to not worry. To not be dwelling on the negative things that have happened or the things that could happen. We have to dwell on who Christ is and that He has given me another day. He's allowed, He has given me my daily bread. Psalm 56 verses 3 and 4 says this, but when I am afraid, I will put my trust in you. I praise God for what he has promised. I trust in God. So why should I be afraid? Why should I be afraid? You know, as we, as we close this morning, I'm reminded of a story of a, a young boy. He was a shepherd boy. And the, there were these, these scientists that came out and these the scientists came out into the region. It was a mountainous region and, and a lot of steep slopes. And the, the scientists said that there, the, in this particular region, they wanted to retrieve certain things that were growing so they could do their study. So the scientists knew that they could not go down the hillside. They knew that they could not make it and, and, and get into this deep cavernous place, into the, down into the valley where it's just so steep. So they said they'd find a shepherd boy because the shepherds, they know how to, how to roam this area. And they took the shepherd boy, and they went up, and they they took him, climbed the mountain, and started going down the other side into this deep area. And the little the little shepherd boy says, "Oh, I just can't do this. I've never been into that part. This is so hard. I've been everywhere else, but where you want me to get into there, I've never been into it. I just can't do it." So the scientists come up with an idea, and they wrapped a rope around him, and they said, "We'll just kind of we'll be his safety, and we'll hold the rope as he goes down." And so he ties the rope on him. And the little boy, the shepherd boy, starts to go down. And he says, I can't do this. I'm too afraid. This is too scary out here. I can't keep going. So they come, they pull him up, they take the rope off. And, and the shepherd boy says, wait a minute. Wait a minute, I'll be right back. So he leaves and he comes back sometime later. And now he's got his dad with him. And he takes his dad and he ties the rope around him. His dad ties the rope around him. And he starts to climb down. And right about the point where he was getting be afraid before, he turned around and looked. He goes, I can do this now. My dad has the other end of the rope. And it changed the whole situation. And our life this morning would change if we could just realize that God is holding the other end of your rope. That it's not about what you can do. You may fall. You may stumble. You may be so afraid of what the journey that God has for you. But if you will just trust Him. God says, that you can ask him every day for your daily bread all of your needs we don't often do that in america we have our job we know how to do this we know how to do that god says your your boss is not your provider he is trust god he's at the other end of the rope we get to gather god is the provider how about in your your relationship life are you able to trust god there's awkward moments that come. There's things that have, that have been failures and hurt and pain. Uh, Trusting God. Are you able to trust God in that area? All those family relationships, single people, young people, you're able to trust God for that future. You don't have to manufacture a future. I remember when I was a senior in college, that was that senior panic moment of, will I get married? And we went around, we went trying to date everybody under the sun. Guess what? I'm so glad that God had a different plan. Because God, God had the plan. He was holding the rope. I was frantic. I don't have to be frantic. Young people, you trust God for your relationships, for your social life, um, and, and for our spiritual life. God has a plan for you. You know, we're talking about this dinner theater. We're talking about giving to these missionaries. We have all these different things. Do you realize that God says, I'll provide your daily need? I'll provide that for you. If you'll just come to me and trust me. If you will humble yourself and say, Daddy... And listen, most of us, our dads didn't make the fulfillment of being the best dad. Only God made the fulfillment of being the best dad because he's perfect. And so I can come to him, and I know that I can trust him, and I have this relationship. Daddy, will you help me meet these needs? And, and just, just in, in real quick here, our missionaries down in Ecuador, Daniel Gonzalez, was praying. And it, those people, when we get over there, we see them. They pray, and they ask God every day. Lord, meet our needs. And so Daniel Gonzalez, here we are. We're, we're supporting him. And, and a year or two ago, all of a sudden, we bumped him up on our support. And it went up on our list. It was $5,000. And I called over and I talked to Daniel Gonzalez. And he didn't know what we were raising over here. And he's talking to me. And he says, he says brother, I need you to pray because we lost $500 a month support. And you know what God was doing here? You were coming before God and say, God, would you give us our need so that we can meet those needs? And look what God did. Give us this day our daily bread. Let's pray. Let's bow in prayer today. As we close in prayer, I'd just like to ask you to respond to the goodness of God. He is your Father. You get to walk into His presence in confidence and have that Father and son relationship, father-daughter relationship, and you get to meet with him and all the things of this world that have plagued you, all the things that have troubled you, you get to talk to him about that. He says to talk to him about everything. If you're here and you've never accepted Christ as your Savior, you've not made this personal, I'd like to encourage you today, let's make this personal. Start this day out with Christ. Make this the day that you accept his offer of love, that you accept the bread of life, his sacrifice on the cross that was broken for you. And so if that's you and you'd like to make this personal today, I'd like to invite you to pray a prayer something like this. Dear Jesus, I come before you. I'm a sinner. I've done wrong things. I've offended your holiness, your your goodness. But yet, I know that you died on the cross. You paid for my sin. You came back to life today. And Lord, I need you. I need you in my life. I accept your offer of love and forgiveness today. For others in this room this morning, I'd like to encourage you. Would you respond to God? Would you humble yourself and realize that you're just the gatherer, that God is the provider? Would you call on Him for those spiritual needs? Maybe, maybe that's an area you haven't thought about is God's given me strength to, to invite somebody to a dinner, to a dessert theater, to, uh, to, to a Christmas Eve service, to Sunday morning. God gives you that, but we have to come and ask Him. He gives you spiritual energy, spiritual strength. He provides for you physically, emotionally, relationally. How about all those relationships? Are you willing to come before God and say, God, I surrender to you, but I need you to provide. Father God, I pray that you will work in the life of each person in this room. God, I know that you're moving in great ways. We, we thank you for the Lord's prayer as we read it. We know you were teaching the disciples how to pray. And yet, yet we get over familiar with it. It's so familiar, Lord. We want to come back to the basic truth of who you are. Because it will change our life if we just walk in your grace. Father, be with our people as they respond to you. In your name we pray. Amen. Let's stand together as we close our service, and as we stand to, pr- to sing, I'd like to invite you to come and kneel at the, kneel at the front of the church here, and if you'd like to do so, please do that. But let's respond to His greatness today.
0: Lord, I come, and I confess, bowing here, I find my Without you I fall apart, you're the one that guides my heart.